This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. A couple of years ago within this galaxy, two nerds with a passion for comics, wrestling, movies, horror, and more, would unite and create The Amazing Nerd Show. The time has come, a tremble felt throughout the galaxy. Our heroes have escaped the Sarlacc pit and completed all other bounties. Our nerds unite for their 123rd voyage into nerdom. To fulfill the prophecy. For the enjoyment of the fans. For the love of all things Star Wars. The Force will be with you. Buckle up, Flyboys, we're about to kick it into light speed. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. And welcome to Star Wars Month. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, so Christian, apparently Chicago now has a hurricane season. Um, it's raining cats and dogs out there. Man, it's raining harder than Camino down here. And after that comment, uh, you probably can tell it is Star Wars Month. Um, we're going to go ahead and skip all the pleasantries, um, you know, cause we're terrified we're going to lose power. Um, but we're celebrating star Wars all month long and we actually have a lot of star Wars news to discuss. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we are mere podcasters with opinions. Alright, starting off this week, Boba Fett confirmed for Mandalorian Season 2 to be played by Tamara Morrison. Holy shit, Christian. Everyone's favorite bounty hunter is back. Finally. He survived the Sarlacc Pit. Comicbook.com has somehow independently confirmed that Boba Fett will, you know, be appearing in the second season of The Mandalorian. Um, fuck, man. <laughs> uh, we, you know, everyone was speculating after the episode, uh, The Gunslinger, where you kind of had that, like, shadowy figure show up at the end, you know, rocking the uh, signature spurs. Uh, you know, they thought, well, maybe that was him. I wasn't holding my breath. Um you know, and we still don't know if that was actually the character, but apparently, you know, Boba Fett is in season two. I'm just surprised that they let this leak. Yeah, you, do you think it's like a WWE tactic where they're just trying to get more views? I, I have no idea why they would leak this. I don't. I don't think they're worried about people watching the show at this point. No, exactly. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's just they know that marketing wise, you know, it's going to get out there just with you know merchandise and everything like that. Yeah. So why get ahead of the toys? Let's not out. have another like baby Yoda debacle, uh-huh. you know, where they kind of leave, you know, millions of dollars on the table you know, to keep it a secret. I mean, that, that baby Yoda shit just started hitting shelves like this mm-hmm. month. So, um, but yeah, no, I, who knows? Um, but you know, with Boba Fett's appearance, we're also getting a slew of other rumors out there. Um, and this is coming from Kessel Run's transmissions. Um, they're basically saying along with Ahsoka, we could be getting Sabine now. And then, you know, since we have the actor who plays Boba Fett and Jango Fett and all the fucking clone troopers, uh, we could also be getting a live action Commander Rex on screen. 
Um, so it's going to be basically like a reunion of like the Rebels cast. Which is pretty awesome, but they have a lot of explaining to do with, you know, Mandalorians being a like religious sect now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just a like one sect that, you know, the Mandalorian is like part of um, that's that strict. Um, but who knows? I mean, we there's quite a few years that have passed at this point, so... Um, but yeah, you're right. They, they do have a lot of explaining to do. So. <laughs> and to top everything off, uh, we also have another story um, coming out that we're actually going to get a live action Bo-Katan um, played by Katie Sackoff, um, who voices uh, Bo-Katan on Clone Wars and Rebels. Do you think everyone's pissed off, David, about, you know, Ahsoka being played by Rosio Dawson while Bo-Katan gets her voice actress? Oh, man. Probably, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> what do these people want? <laughs> they want it all. Can't we just enjoy what we what we're getting right now? <laughs> Which yes. seems like a, a really badass fucking second season of a great show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this casting. It makes sense. Um, she actually, I mean, I'm wondering if they designed the character around her look because she does look, you know, very much like the character on the show. Oh, absolutely. So, I think that's what they do. Um, but yeah, no, she's a talented actress, so it'll be awesome to get a live-action version of this character. Um, yeah, it's just crazy that they dropped so much news this past week, um, uh, you know, in regards of The Mandalorian. Um, I mean, I was already excited for Season 2, but now, Jesus Christ, I'm bursting at the seams. Exactly. I mean, all I needed was the Darksaber, and now I'm getting everything yeah from the animated series at this point uh you know and i mean there's still those rumors out there that they want to do a sequel series to rebels mm -hmm. so maybe this will be like a transition to that um we shall see all right well next up we have nova development moving forward at marvel studios all right yeah so this hasn't been confirmed as either a tv series or a film but it looks like either Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander will be coming to the screen at some point in the near future. Um, this has been rumored for quite a while. Um, you know, I guess Richard Ryder was actually supposed to be part of uh, Infinity War at one point. Uh, you know, but I, I don't know. I, who would you like to see, Christian, as Nova? Yeah, I, I, I could see either being in there. Maybe like even like a mentor role. You know, you got a buddy cop system. <laughs> Aren't all the like Nova core like characters dead in uh the MCU oh, right yeah. now? Yeah, <laughs> they all got fucked up. Maybe the snap brought them back. Perhaps. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess that could be a possibility. Or maybe there's a few survivors, and this is you know part of them restarting. You know the group. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nova Corps is basically the you know, the Marvel's universe version of the Green Lanterns. So, I mean, it makes sense for the MCU to have these space cops flying around. Um, I could definitely see like you know a, a brief appearance in like one of the Guardians films or something like that. I mean, that's when we mm -hmm. originally saw them. So, I mean, why not have a little cameo um, with you know the MCU? It seems like they're skewing younger at this point, and we're getting a lot of the like young heroes introduced. I really feel like they're probably going to go with Sam Alexander, um, but why not bring Richard Ryder along for the ride? And like you said, he could be a mentor, you know, to the kid. So I've never been a huge Richard Ryder fan. I know that's blasphemy for some. I just always found him kind of bland. Um, but I do like Sam, so I think that's the more interesting choice. See, I'm surprised by that, because I, I feel like there hasn't been too many great stories with Sam yet, you know? 
I think he's just got a better personality overall. Like I said, mm. Richard just feels kind of bland to me. Um, I don't mind Sam's stories. I mean, I, I think a lot of the shit that we're reading is in Champions, unfortunately, especially like that early run wasn't so yep. great. <laughs> so, but like I liked him in all the other books that he kind of cameoed and everything. I didn't actually read like the Nova so, uh, solo series that he did. So, but I, I like enough of what I've seen of him where I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the MCU. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Sam's story is pretty like... It's very uh, kid-friendly and very uh, fun in general. It fits in the current MCU. All right, well, up next we have Silence of the Lambs sequel project. Clarice gets series pickup order from CBS. Yeah, so CBS, they ordered a pilot episode, and I don't know if they actually even saw the damn thing, but they greenlit the whole series, and it could possibly be debuting this fall. Um, I don't see how, but, you know, whatever. You know, shoot for the moon, CBS. Um, They already (laughs) have a synopsis out. So, I mean, they're, you know, full on, you know, Clarice right now. Uh, But here we go. Clarice is set in 1993, a year after the events of Silence of the Lambs. The series is a deep dive into the untold personal story of Clarice Starling as she returns to the field to pursue serial murderers, sexual predators, while navigating the high stakes of the political world of Washington, D.C. Huh. Um... So I'm kind of disappointed with this. I'm not going to lie. I was really hoping that I'd get a season four of Hannibal. Um, Hopefully that still happens. Um, Brian Fuller is not attached to this at all. Uh, So I don't know. It just feels like this is just going to get in the way of that. I was a huge (laughs) fan of the Hannibal series. I was really upset when it Mm -hmm. got canceled. So um, I don't know. This just feels like kind of like every other, you know, cop show on CBS right now. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like, is it uh, just more intense version of SVU? Maybe. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's going to be like dealing with the trauma of everything that happened in the Silence of the Lambs. And that could be interesting, I guess. So I won't completely shit on this (laughs) yet. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, no. I mean, give me fucking Hannibal back. What are you people doing? I mean, there's so many goddamn streaming services. Are you telling me no one will pick it up? <laughs> <laughs> I know I've gone on this rant before, but <laughs> it just, I mean, it has, it has a, such a strong fan base too right now. It's mm. only growing stronger year after year. So, I mean, come on. Someone's got to pick it up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yay, Clarice, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, damn it. Well, I finally have something really awesome to say. What is that, Christian? We watched a movie this week. Oh, my God. It's been so long. Yes, holy shit. The drought is over. We finally watched a movie we wanted to watch this year that we didn't intentionally skip. <laughs> um, We watched The Lodge. And now, our feature presentation. That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? It's crazy. Everyone committed suicide except her. Repent, and you will find salvation. 
A soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, uh, some strange and frightening events take place. Alright, so we saw this trailer a while back, and I was super impressed. Um, I'm familiar with the director's previous work, um, so I was excited. Um, this movie actually became one of my more anticipated films of 2020. So I was really disappointed when it had such a limited theatrical run. Um, but yeah, so we waited for this film to like show up on VOD before we could actually review it. Uh, with that being said, unfortunately for me, this movie was definitely a mixed bag. Um, you know, light spoilers ahead. I'm going to try not to spoil anything because I definitely feel like this is a movie for horror fans. Um, it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, you know, and try to, you know, judge for yourself. Um, but for me, it was, it was definitely mixed. Um, so like just setup wise, we start off the movie with a family that's been completely torn apart by this awful tragedy. Uh, the children are just suffering through the severe grief and, you know, the father's just trying to hold things together and, you know, at the same time though, I'll say he kind of seems like he wants to move on maybe a little too quickly. Um, you know, and for some reason, part of, you know, the healing process he feels is for the kids to get to know his new fiance, um, who the kids kind of blame for everything that happens. Um, yeah, he doesn't seem like the best dad in the world. <laughs> so there's that. But, uh, also we discover, and we kind of, you know, see this in the trailer. So this isn't very much of a sh uh, spoiler, but, you know, this fiance of his, um, was the lone survivor of this religious suicide cult. And the kids just kind of know this. Um, they do kind of do their own little research and, you know, discover more. So they're even more, like, non-trusting of this woman. But, you know, that aside, you know, Dad wants to go ahead and take their Christmas vacation um, to their vacation home, um, you know, all together. And, you know, this even entails leaving the kids alone with his fiance for a couple days um, while he goes off and does, you know, something. I don't know, work or something. They don't really explain it very well. Uh, you know, so anyway, well, that's the setup, you know, that basically takes place like throughout the entire first act. Um, you know, the performances, I will say, are all pretty strong in this movie. Um, there is definitely kind of a, like, I don't know, there's paper thin characterization though. Um, you know, the script does not give the actors a lot of things to work with. Uh, the character Grace, um, is played by Riley Keough. Um, she gives a really interesting performance. Uh, my only issue with, you know, her character is, you know, there's never a point where we don't feel like she's fucking, like, batshit crazy. So, I... You know, it, it's almost very, you know, reminiscent of, like, Jack Torrance in The Shining. <laughs> so, we don't really get to know her. We don't really get to know, like, the relationship between her and the father. So, I don't know if we ever really care about her. You know, and that's kind of the same with the family, unfortunately. You know, but those are all script issues. Um, once again, I, you know, I do feel like the performances were all very strong. Um, and they were, they were convincing. So, um, but yeah, you know, this movie is beautiful um super atmospheric um especially the second act 
wonderful cinematography. Um, it's just eye candy for horror fans, really. Um, it definitely echoes a lot of the films it's, like, paying homage to. Um, you know, movies like The Shining, The Thing, um, even Hereditary. Uh, to a certain extent, there's this whole, like, setup with this dollhouse the little girl has. It really strongly, like, echoes Hereditary. Um, but strangely enough, the uh, directors claim that they had not seen the movie while um, filming. Um, so, I, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But it definitely feels like there are fans of Hereditary by watching this film. Um, but yeah, no... So in the second act, you know, it's definitely this well-crafted psychological horror film that's just taking you on this, like, journey into madness with these characters. And it sets up a really good mystery with a lot of little twists and everything that I didn't see coming. You know, at first when I, you know, got into the movie, I was like, oh, this feels a little too predictable. But yeah, the second act, you're on a roller coaster ride. So I was really getting into it. You know, beautiful visuals, beautiful visuals that really get underneath your skin. So, um, you know, with all that being said, the third act happens. And unfortunately, there's this reveal that just doesn't work for me. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense for the characters. It feels really just unbelievable and illogical. Um, like, so much so that I just was kind of mourning everything that was set up in, like, the second act. Throughout the entire third act, where I was, I was just dis disappointed. And it, it just felt deflating, in a way. Um... So yeah, just to get back to like the character's lack of characterization, um, you know, I think it was done on purpose so you wouldn't see a lot of like the little twists and turns coming. Um, but unfortunately, it just doesn't make any sense. And you know, I think that was my main issue with it. You know, I'm willing to like turn off a certain part of my brain while watching, you know, horror movies at times. Um, but like this one, I just, I just had a hard time, like, checking my brain at the door. It was just too fucking insane, you know, the choices that some of the characters were making. So, and, like, the dad just feels like a fucking idiot, you know, at the end of the movie. So, but I won't get into that, because, once again, you know, with all the negative things I'm saying here with the third act, I definitely feel like it's worth checking this film out if you're a fan of the genre. Um, because I do feel like, you know, even though, I, you know, I couldn't get over what happened in the third act um and i just was so in love with what i thought i was getting in the second act um if that makes any sense i feel like i'm rambling out but it, you know the the ending of the film was effective um you know and it, the movie overall is really chilling you know and like i said it gets underneath your skin um it, it just there was just too many twists that happened and i felt like it was unnecessary you know like i said in the second act i felt like i was getting the lighthouse um, but I ended up kind of getting, like, M. Night's The Village, if you will, which is definitely disappointing in the long run. Um, it took me a couple days to kind of, like, wrap my head around this film. Um, you know, not so much, like, the plot and the story, just more of, like, did I actually like this movie? Um, and the truth is, I'm still not sure. So it's definitely a movie I'm going to go and revisit, which isn't a bad thing. Um, and I do, like I said, I do feel like it's a movie that, you know, fans of the horror genre should check out. So there's, there's that going. I mean, it. to pick up right where you said, um, with the village and all that, I, I loved a lot of elements of the village, but the main thing was those poor twists that they put in. Um, I think you got it right on the head right there, but, um, 
what I do love about this film, what I'll give it praise for, is, was the cinematography. Like, there's moments in this film where, the, you know, they used a lot of that dollhouse element that we, you know, we saw in, like, Hereditary and stuff like that. And how they used it was so well done that there's moments in this film where I forget that, you know, or, like, mistake the house that they're in as the dollhouse, or the dollhouse is the house that they're supposed to be in. And it constantly, like, I keep forgetting, like, oh, and then a person walks in and it fucking flips me out a little bit. So I loved how they handled that. But, um, yeah, the story elements, the script is the, is the main problem of this film. Um, you know, I, I don't have the same, like, I'm not upset with the twist as much as you are, but at the same time, um, I, I, it, it, was, it fell flat. I'm not afraid to admit that it fell flat. Um, and that's just a script issue because I, I felt the performances were fine. You know, I didn't have any problems with the kids. Usually, that's like one of my big things. Like even in Hereditary, I didn't like the older sub, um, the older brother that much. Um, and throughout this film, I, I had no problem with the kids. I thought the stepmom did a really great job of showing, you know, um, her ties to the cult. Um, like when things start to happen and things start to change for her, you really feel her go through that, and it makes sense. It was really well crafted. Um, there's just there's so many really great you know, draws, the way that they did it, where, like, it's such a wide shot at, at all moments. And I really was getting into that. And it's like, the film, as a film guy, I'm like, I'm loving every scene, and I'm, like, eating up all, like, all these long shots that we're getting, but I can't stand the story. So, I mean, that's just how it went for me. Um, you know, I'm not uh, coming up, like, I just watched the film, like, literally, like, two hours ago. So I, I haven't had some time to let it sit. So maybe if I, you know, think about it a little bit longer, but for the most part... I see it as a beautiful film. I just don't... The script just didn't work. Yeah, and for me, it's more of like a third act thing. Like, I actually didn't mind, you know, where the script was taking us for, like, you know, a good portion of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that third act happens and with the twist, and I just felt like it, it made no fucking sense to me. I really enjoyed, like, the cinematography, like you were saying. I loved all the wide-angle shots they were using. Um, I felt like it really kind of hammered home that, like, vibe of, like, just, you know, being isolated and stuck Mm -hmm. in this house. Uh, But then I also really loved it when they were having kind of, like, an uncomfortable conversation. Um, The camera would, like, push up really close up to the um, actor or actress's face um, just to kind of make you feel, like, uneasy. Uh, I thought that was really well done and really effective. Um, but, you know, once again, like you were saying, it's more of a script issue. I, it's more of a third act issue for me. So um, it just made no sense for the characters. Uh, you know, we're going spoiler free here, so I won't go on a complete rant. <laughs> Maybe another episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, it was it was disappointing in the long run because they just didn't stick the landing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a point in that second act where it feels like, you know, as, as we said in the little blurb, you know, they start to mend things and talk. And like when we first in- get this interaction between the stepmom and the um, older brother, uh, you know, he's just basically just telling her off. You know? Yeah. And and, you know, there should have been like maybe just a couple more steps in between there and the third act, I felt. Just the characters are all kind of unlikable, you know, yeah. I'm not mm. ever like rooting for anyone. You know, even like the little girl, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I don't know if that says a lot about me as a person, but like I just, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel anything for them. Um, oh, I, 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 I kind of started rooting for uh, the stepmom. You know, I, <laughs> I, 
for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, no, I just, it just, I don't know. It, it was a bizarre choice for me. It really was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of has like um a Wonder Woman syndrome where it's just that third act just wasn't what it should have been. Yeah, like I mean, who wants to watch a movie with a bunch of unlikable idiots? <laughs> that's and that's kind of what we got uh. in the long run. So, Damon, what would you give this as a grade? Um, I'm gonna give it a C plus. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That was probably my grade as well. Um, it's the cinematography is off the chain. It's just you know poor delivery of the story. Like I said, I mean it's wonderful eye candy, you know, for mm-hmm. horror movie fans. Um, and man, if this movie would just end at the second act, I'd probably love it. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, it had to move on, and it just, like I said before, it did not stick the landing. All right. Well, before we move on, this week's episode of the Amazing Nerd Show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. That's right, Christian. Listeners of our show have been getting in on this incredible deal for their boxes of awesome. Absolutely, man. But before we get into that, let's tell them a little bit about what Bespoke Post even is. Bespoke Post is a uniquely themed monthly subscription service. Every month you get to pick out your next box of gear, ranging from style and grooming to even outdoor kits and glassware. One of the boxes we received for the show came with the Weekender bag. A super durable bag I used to carry my laptop and microphone around. It was something I was personally impressed with. Uh, the quality of the bag was awesome, and as someone who has to lug around camera equipment and mics when I would go to conventions, it's really important for me to have carrying cases I can trust. And Bespoke Post filled that need with the Weekender bag. Yeah, um, the site is just filled with awesome products and brands for every occasion and need. Um, like with barbecue season coming up, I picked up the Chill as my next box. It's a heavy-duty cooler that can hold up to a case of beer or eight bottles of wine and even comes with a stainless steel bottle opener. And there are plenty more perfect summer options to choose from, all coming from quality brands that you won't be able to find on Amazon. These really are unique artisanal brands you guys should check out. That's why we have partnered up with Bespoke Post to get our listeners 20% off when they sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter our promo code NERDSHOW20. It's one hell of a deal, guys. Um, Head over to boxofawesome.com, sign up, and choose your monthly box and enter our promo code NERDSHOW20 and save 20% off now. Bespoke Post. Theme boxes for people who give a damn. All right, so it's time to move on. Like we said at the top of the show, all month long, we're celebrating all things Star Wars. And uh, this episode, we're bringing you a very special edition of Christian's Corner. That's right, Damon. I'm talking the greatest of all time Star Wars video games. It's going to be my top five picks. Christian's Corner presents the top five Star Wars video games of all time. Number five. All right, uh, starting off my list... Um, this was one I went back and forth on quite a bit because of Jedi Outcast, uh, which is such a great game. But at the same time, this is this feels like the modern day um, Jedi Outcast game, which is Jedi Fallen Order. We've lost. The Empire is hunting Jedi survivors. Now, they know who you are. 
Jedi Fallen Order is the like most recent um, Star Wars game to pretty much come out. So the main um, complaint people have for this game is that it's uh, derivative of other great games. But I I see those elements that they took from other great games and used it in the Star Wars universe. And I think that's fucking awesome. You know, um, one of the big things is like Dark Souls um, games. And I love that series. And of course, that makes me love this game even more. Um, you know, the way that they handle combat and adventure and how free and open it is for a Star Wars game. This is exactly what I was looking for, um, at, you know, during these times. I'm looking for more of this type of content, more single player Star Wars content, please. Um, and, you know, EA had a lot to really um, come back for, for all the problems that they had with the recent Star Wars Battlefront series. And which is, you know, those are good games, but, you know, they're bogged down with, um, you know, them trying to make money. <laughs> Number four. Uh, well, so moving on to number four, I have the Lego Star Wars uh, Complete Saga Edition. They're the Skywalkers. You've met the whole family, but they've never shared the same screen. Until now. Oops. Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga. This game is a great way to introduce your kids to Star Wars in general. Um, they they pretty much take you through the entire story, um, almost to the letter, like how everything happened in all the films. But they also take little fun spins at it, you know, the Lego way. Um, it handles each uh, film expertly. The gameplay runs extremely smooth. It's on every single console possible um, from its time. You know, and it, it came out in 2007. It was still pretty great looking for what it was you know it's a lego game and most like uh games that take up movie licenses don't put as much detail especially back in the early 2000s as lego star wars did and i thought this was a really great and fun game for everyone so i definitely think it deserves to be on this list number three all right uh for my number three i have the force Great unleashed there's much conflict in you your feelings for your new allies are growing stronger. Do not forget that you still serve me. The Fortune Least came out during a time where we were switching from the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox to the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and it really showed off how powerful these systems can be. I mean, this game was beautiful for its time. And, you know, it really showed off a great Star Wars experience as well as you play, you know, a dark side user and you get to go around slaughtering everything in sight. It was the perfect hack and slash Star Wars game for the time. And it really took on like you took on Jedi. You, you had this great story. Um, everyone was, you know, everything seemed like it could have been canon at the time. Um, it was really well handled and really well loved by the fans and some people still want that story to be canon <laughs> i really like the opening sequence where you get to be vader and you're yes. like walking through the village and just like slaughtering people mm -hmm. like that that's i mean we eventually got that scene in like rogue one but at the time i was like oh i need this in my life you know i want a whole game no, like no. this no, that was like your first real taste of the jedi hunt right yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no just the physics in that game so well done i want i, I kind of hope that we get another one just like that i mean that's kind of what we there's some elements of that in fallen order but i feel like we can push it even further especially what they've been showing off recently in the new um console specs and stuff like that number two 
All right, uh, for number two, I have Knights of the Old Republic. You are strong, child, but I will break you. I'll never fall to the dark side. The Knights of the Old Republic um, franchise in general is held to a very high regard. It is a classic RPG. Um, and the story is so well handled and so well regarded that people clamor for these characters to be brought into the main canon. You know, they were wiped away when um, Disney picked up everything. And this is a game that can still be picked up and played today. While the graphics might be a little outdated and stuff like that, the um, storytelling is so well handled. And this is definitely a game um, that's almost regarded as one of the best games to ever be made. So definitely check it out. If you have some time, it's on Steam. Pick it up. It's very cheap. Now, and they're, they're currently working on doing like a, a remake of the game? Is that correct? Yes. Um, they're definitely remaking the Old Republic. I don't know how far, like, it, if, if they'll do strictly the Knights of the Old Republic or if they'll take elements of multiple games okay. or so. But, you know, they're definitely um, playing around with making a new version. And we've definitely heard recently that, like, Disney's interested in doing, like, a series based on this or a film based on it, correct? Yes. So, I mean, it sounds like those characters might be canon sooner than later. Number one. All right, and for my number one, I have classic 2005's Star Wars Battlefront 2. When news of the first advance reached the 501st, we knew that now we'd have to take the battle into space. Battlefront uh, 1 and 2, the early ones, uh, were these awesome third-person shooters uh, where you get to play as the clones or the um, stormtroopers, and you got to play in both, both eras. Um, and it was so just epic. Like you got to play online with your friends. Um, it was it was this perfect just multiplayer Star Wars game. And like it's so popular to this day that um, Steam and other another company actually brought back the servers just so that people could play it online, even with the brand new franchise that's out there. Uh, Star Wars. It's just got such fluent, like perfect gameplay. It's uh, you know battles in space. Battle on the Ground is so fun to this day, and I still play it. I have it on my PC, and I still run it all the time. But yeah, there, there's plenty of great Star Wars games. Like I said at the beginning of the list, you know, um, Jedi Outcast 2 was like one of the best handling at like using a lightsaber in a game ever, and that definitely that mechanic still needs to come back. <laughs> there's plenty of other great Star Wars games. I think, you know, me and Damon have talked about Rogue Squadron off mic quite a few times. Um, there's the uh, trilogy uh, game that's at the arcades that I play all the time when I can. I love that game. Um, there's some actually some new arcade Star Wars games that are pretty awesome as well. It's a franchise that deserves to be played. <laughs> all right. Well, before we move on, support for The Amazing Nerd Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Christian, my bachelor days are way behind me, but I remember being a younger man, running around before a big date, you know, having to Manscaped using those old-fashioned trimmers. I mean, you, you practically might as well be using like a chainsaw or something, because you'd get a nick with those things and you'd practically bleed out. That's why I'm so excited that Manscaped has gone ahead and redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And I'm happy to announce they just released the brand new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. 
Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. That's right, man. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the new LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Christian, I've never had a better look at my balls. But let me tell you, the thing that impresses me the most is they've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand has a rapid charging dock powered by a USB. I know I have mine displayed proudly on my fireplace mantle so everyone knows I rock it high and tight, baby. That's right. It's time to trim that junk of yours. All right, and right now you can get free shipping and 20% off when you head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code NERDS20. That's right, guys. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you head over to manscaped.com and use the promo code NERDS20. And make sure you tell them the nerds sent you. All right, David, well, we got to move on to wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the following right, is for the World Heavyweight Championship. See oh. Punk is doing it. He's cashing in money in the bank. It's the GPS. Oh, Christian, so we had a pay-per-view this weekend that we both watched. Money in the Bank. This is going to be well, the first time in a long time that we've actually talked wrestling. And I'm so excited to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, you know what the best part of this pay-per-view was? Uh, no, what's that? It was so fucking short. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. Finally. I mean, it was shorter than a Raw. I think it was, what, two, <laughs> two hours and a half? Yeah. Maybe? Um, but anyway, let's go ahead and let's get into it. Uh, did you watch the pre-show match? Christian, you know better than that. Of <laughs> course I didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I would have if I knew that it was only going to be a two and a half hour long show. True. But yeah, I, had, I totally forgot about the pre-show. <laughs> yes, but Jeff Hardy defeated Cesaro. It sounds like it was probably a really good match. So I'm a fan of both guys. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed that I didn't see it because... Honestly, it's probably a match I would rather see than uh, quite a few of these other matches that were actually on the card. Absolutely. Well, let's start off the card with uh, the New Day going up against the Forgotten Sons, uh, Miz and Morrison, Lucha House Party, and that's it. Uh, this wasn't a bad match. I thought it was a good opener. Um, I felt like it, it. I'm just over the New Day, like having the titles. Um, what is this, like, ring number eight? Yes. <laughs> number nine? No, I think it's eight. Is it? I feel like they had him and then lost him and then got him back again, like, right after WrestleMania. I feel like he said so, eight when they came out. Did he? Okay. I don't know, man. I mean, they just need a new wrinkle, you know, for that for the new day mm -hmm. overall. So, I mean, they, they desperately need Xavier back. Um, you know, it's just so disappointing with everything that happened with Kofi last year mm -hmm. um, to see him just back, you know, part of a tag team again so i don't know but anyway the match itself was okay um 
I I enjoyed seeing Lucha House Party, honestly. I love Grand Metalik. Um, he's super talented. I hope to see more of him, not just jobbing out to people <laughs> and like, you know, doing this whole fucking, you know, comedy routine that McMahon seems to think that all his luchadors have to do besides, you know, Raid Mysterio. Um, but I don't know. The match overall was it was it was okay. It was it was entertaining at least. I, I just I I get pissed off every time they do only two people in the ring. That's just me. You know, I, I, yeah. I can't handle that four, fatal four-way system. It doesn't make sense. There's, def, there's definitely a formula to WWE's like, tag team ladder matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just a case of the agent booking the matches, but yeah, they always end up with like somehow you know everyone else is on the outside and there's just two people you know sitting there. I'm not sure why that needs to happen. It just feels like, come on, man. Just liven it up, get everyone in that fucking ring. I mean, it's it's bound to happen eventually in the match. So, like, why are we following these rules for no reason? Who knows? Needs needs a little bit more New Japan rules. <laughs> um, how do you feel about uh the Forgotten Sons being up? I, I I was thrown off a little bit. I don't think they're necessarily ready for the for the main roster, but you know. they've been in NXT for like three years at this point. So. True, but I, I... <laughs> and it, it's weird because they weren't getting a push in NXT. Mm-hmm at all but like they show up on smackdown and mcmahon apparently likes them a lot and he's been pushing them um they're they're like the main focus you know in the tag team division right now on smackdown so um he must be a fan uh i was actually kind of surprised that they didn't win the match here um that kind of seemed like where the momentum was like headed you see i thought it was just a shoe-in for the new day to win so Really, yeah, no. They, I mean, just the way they've been booking it, I kind of felt like, okay, they're going to get the surprise win, and then, you know, we'd start a feud between the New Day and them. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they're still kind of faceless to me. I, I still can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. If I'm remembering correctly, the real reason they got called up is because uh, one of the Usos suffered a knee injury that's supposed oh, to keep okay. them out for, like, months. So that's that's actually the real reason they brought them up. So, and it seems like they're making the most of their opportunity right now. So good on them. Yeah, I just recognize Wesley Blake, and that's about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot that he was part of. He was with Murphy, right? Yep. Forever. <laughs> How is he forget? Is he the fake marine? One of these guys is a fake marine. Um, I have no idea. Because that's the whole gimmick. But I think he's the fake Marine. <laughs> I could be wrong. I apologize to Wesley Blake if he's the real Marine. But I believe one of these guys is just pretending to be like, you know, a service member. All right. Well, anyway, up next, Bobby Lashley showed up to fight R-Truth out of nowhere. <laughs> this really bothers you. Were you disappointed that you didn't get your MVP versus R-Truth match? I was a big that- MVP fan when, like, back in the day. So I don't know. Well, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. That was like 12 years ago. <laughs> I'm fine with MVP. I like MVP too. There was just no buildup between MVP and R-Truth. So this match felt like it should have been on the pre-show. Um, but apparently they're trying to build Bobby Lashley up to like main event status so he could face off against uh, McIntyre. And what better way so. to do that than have him beat R-Truth? Yeah, well, <laughs> he did squash him in like 10 seconds. Yes. It, was, it was a pretty quick match. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, you don't get much cred from like beating our truth nowadays. <laughs> so, um, but it looks like MVP is going to end up managing Bobby Lashley. So maybe that was part of the game. How do you feel about Bobby Lashley actually being in like a main event feud? 
Um, I'm still not over his shitty feud with Lana and all that crap with Rusev. <laughs> but, you know, um, I the guy's talented when it counts. So, I mean, might as well give him a chance. Who else does Drew have to fight right now anyway? Yeah, you're right. I mean, the roster's paper thin at this point. Mm. So, and give, I mean, give him a shot at least, you know, because he is talented. He's just had some really, really piss poor booking, yeah. un- unfortunately. So, I mean, it's something different at least. I mean, and it doesn't make any sense that he hasn't had a title match, you know, after being back in the company for almost three years at this point. It wasn't that long ago we were seeing, you know, fake versions of his sister. <laughs> oh, my screen. God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Damn you for bringing that up. <laughs> was that... That was with Zayn, right? Yeah, that was, that was terrible. It was all oh, terrible. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> what a horrible start. Jesus, poor Lashley. <sighs> all right, uh, up next we have Bailey going up against Tamina. Yeah, this match sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I I really did not enjoy this match. Tamita doesn't belong here. She just doesn't. It's not like she's young and you know she's like full of potential. She's in her forties at this point. This shows you how like weak the SmackDown's women's division really is mm-hmm. at this point. Um, that Tamina's getting a shot here. I'm not. I I don't know if this was a favorite of The Rock. I'm not sure, but she just didn't belong this match, and it showed. Well, who else would you have had fought? bailey in this uh, pay-per-view uh naomi uh carmella uh alexa bliss uh i mean i feel like there's plenty of people who could have gotten the shot so i not tamina i mean this is definitely supposed to be like another like chapter in like you know the sasha banks bailey you know uh forever feud that's been brewing um for years and years now so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it just did nothing for me. It did nothing for Tamina and did nothing for Bailey. I, I mean, I don't want to stay on this too long, but, you know, I just don't... It won't make any sense to me if Sasha Banks comes out on top of this feud that's been going on forever as, like, the face. Oh, I'm fine. Why, why do you say that? Well, because she turned on Bailey like, five times. Yeah, but that was years ago. At this point. I don't know, man. The continuity sucks. <laughs> it's wrestling, though. I mean, continuity-wise. <laughs> there's a plenty of wrestlers who've turned, you know, multiple times in a couple-year period. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know, man. Bailey's. I don't want to see Bailey as the face. No, but... You know, I... she's just kind of hitting her stride as a heel here. Mm-hmm. I And I think Sasha... It, it will be white hot as a baby face. If we get there. <laughs> if we, you're right. If we get there. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see this being like a summer slam match. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, up next we have Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt's not the fiend. Yes. Um, yes, we got Bray in a sweater. Um, this didn't work for me. Yeah. You know, we had puppets, uh, around the ring. Um, we had a, you know, a false, you know, I guess heel turn where it looked like uh, Braun was accepting, you know, uh, Bray's invitation mm-hmm. back to, you know, his cult. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it just, it didn't work. And I know this is just leading up to The Fiend versus Braun. Um, but it, it just felt like we we're treading water. 
Oh, yeah. And that whole moment was way too long, too. Yes. Yes. Um, I do like that, like, Bray was actually selling. So, <laughs> I mean, the, the last time we saw Sweater Bray in the ring, it was against The Miz. And he just felt like a different version of The Fiend. Um, you know, he wasn't selling for shit. Um, so it definitely, it, it's good to see that there's a difference between the two characters. So I feel like that makes sense story-wise, but overall, I'm just, I don't know. I, this, this feud I could do without. You could just argue that the Miz isn't strong like the, like Braun. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I hope that's not the case though. No. <laughs> um, cause it's just uninteresting to me to see a character not sell, mm-hmm. you know? Except to Goldberg, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. I, how do you feel about Braun as champion? Um, I, I was really hoping they would just take the title off of him already. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready Did to Did you want on. him to lose the belt here? Um, not against regular Bray Wyatt. Like I, as soon as I saw that it was Sweater Boy coming out, I knew Braun was going over. Um, it just only makes sense. I think that's the flaw in the story too, Mm. is the fact that like, once you know that he's facing plain old Bray, you know that, you know, this feud is going to continue. You know that it's going to eventually to the Fiend. So Mm. you know exactly what's going to happen in this match. If anything, I was like hoping that like, this wasn't like a live match and that they could have had like the Fiend actually come in and just like ruin the match by the end. You know, mm-hmm. instead of having Bray lose, like, clean. But, I don't know. Did you want them to do something cinematic like they did with Cena at WrestleMania? Yeah. Like, they would have the normal match, but by the end, it would turn into something a lot more cinematic. Okay. Like, the right. more you beat up Bray, the more crazy it gets. It kind of felt like, oh, that, that'd be interesting. It kind of felt like they were trying to go that way with the puppet showing up, but mm-hmm. I, don't know. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. All right, well, up next we have Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. Uh, I thought this was by far the best match on the card. Um, That's not saying much. (laughs) It's not saying much, but I did enjoy this match. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, obviously not having a live crowd there affected things, but um, I thought these guys worked well together. I thought they had good chemistry, and I'd like to see them go at it again at some point. Uh, how'd you feel about Seth Rollins' new entrance? Uh, I thought it sucked. I hate this character that he's, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing right now. Um, his promos have become very monotoned. Um, it seems like they're doing this whole bit where he's like spiraling down, um, you know, into madness. So, I mean, it just, it's once again, it's just a, a choice that I don't understand. You have someone who's actually halfway decent on the mic and you're making him cut these promos that just drone on and on. And I'm not sure what the point is. Like, what's the end game with this character? So, um, you know, we're just watching him, like, descent into madness. I thought the, the handshake at the end was weird. Um, I didn't understand that. Where I kind of, I kind of was like, well, are they having him, are they having him turn babyface? Because that's a total babyface move. Uh But then I was like, oh, they just gave him new fucking entrance music, though. You know, with the stained glass and everything. I was like, there's no way he's turning babyface. And then we saw on Raw, you know, him trying to take out fucking Rey Mysterio's eye. (laughs) So, I don't know. I don't. And then it seemed like he didn't realize what happened at the end. So, they're definitely (laughs) doing this weird downward spiral thing. Mm. And I don't. 
I don't get it, and I don't really like it. So. The the promos for Drew have also like been really like mediocre for me as well. He's just a little too cheesy. I feel mm-hmm. like you know he's doing this over the top baby face thing, and he I I think he's I don't know the way that they're writing him right now, and I think. I think it is a writing issue. Mm-hmm. There, he's too eager to be liked. It feels like, um, for me at least. So I, I want them to dial it back a little, make him a bit more of a badass. Um, yeah, you know, someone who like ta- you know does his talking more in the ring. Um, you know, it's just too cutesy. That's what got him over in NXT. That's exactly how he was acting. He came, yeah, out, kicked some ass and left. And, uh, you know, that's. That's what I liked about him as a heel when he first mm-hmm. debuted on the main roster. So I don't know. I don't know. It's just like this too much smiling at the camera shit. I, I'm just not digging. And I think, you know, right now we're going to have to deal with it because there's no audience in the crowd. So we don't really know how fans are reacting to it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in like a couple months, you know, once, you know, hopefully things slowly start going back to normal. Uh, we could see them maybe having to make a quick change, you know, because fans might start turning on him if he's getting too cute out there. All right. Uh, well, up next we have the double Money in the Bank ladder match. So at this point, it was like, I think it was like 8-something Central Time. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, is this match going to be two hours long? Like, I was totally freaked out. <laughs> um, so I was pleasantly surprised that it only went like, what, like a half hour or 20 minutes? Yeah, almost uh, 30 minutes. Yeah. So, all right, Christian, you, you take the lead on this. What did you think? Well, starting off, just with the entrances alone, I was like, okay, maybe I feel like they're going to go a very like comedic angle with all of this. And that's what they did. You know, it felt like it was a comedy show for like fucking 30 minutes watching these guys just pull out joke after joke like why the fuck was there a food fight in the middle of this match so it was just gag after gag brother love showed up for no goddamn reason it was just it was weird and like and then we get the most random uh, winner for the men's uh, one which was otis and i was dead set thinking Shayna baszler was coming out as well uh, as um the money in the bank uh, winner but i was happy to see oscar get it um, you know, for me, when they announced this match, I was I was actually kind of excited. Um, I did enjoy the two cinematic WrestleMania matches that we got, and I thought there was a lot of potential for this to be a cool match where they could go like full cinematic and get very creative with it. Um, I was kind of picturing like that old Attitude Era commercial, you know, that took place at the WWE offices where they had just like insanity happening. Mm. Um. But instead, we got, you know, like you were saying, you know, the typical bad WWE-like humor, um, you know, with all the food fights and just random bullshit. Um, you know, it was just too on the nose, you know, where I would have much rather had, like, you know, you know, subtle moments, you know, instead of, you know, oh, there's Doink, you know, hiding behind the chair for no reason whatsoever. I thought it was weird that there was just a dude with Doink makeup on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, I mean, it's just fucking sophomoric bullshit. Um, not funny. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's the kind of humor that man loves, I guess. But it just, you know, it, it feels like it felt like every fucking, you know, Thanksgiving episode of SmackDown. 
you know, um, in one match, basically. Um, it wasn't entertaining, and like, like I said, it, it, I, th- I feel like it was a lost like opportunity, honestly. Because they could have been creative with this, and they could have really had a fun, insane match if they wanted to, but it wasn't about wrestling at all. I mean, the shit with, like, Dana Brooke showing up in an office and, like, you know, they're fighting, and then all of a sudden there's a random briefcase with money in it hanging above the table for no reason whatsoever, and then, like, she gets the the briefcase and starts to celebrate, um, even though they've been talking about the rules for the past, like, three weeks at nauseam uh-huh. <laughs> and then we get a shot of, of stephanie mcmahon who's i mean obviously not there you know i mean it looks like it's shot on a completely different camera like it, it just it was so awkward and weird um it it did nothing for me it, it was cringeworthy unfortunately mm-hmm. and a lot of wwe humor nowadays is just that cringeworthy so I, I wasn't digging it. Like I said, it, it's just a wasted opportunity. So I really was expecting more. You know, I, I would have liked to see more like, you know, just destruction of the office. Because I think they're supposed to be um, changing headquarters soon. Yeah, I thought that was so the I thought, whole point. Yeah, I thought they were going to demolish it, um, which could have been fun. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with the cameos and I was kind of expecting that. But be more creative with it. Have it make more sense. Um, like there's just a coffin in one of the offices for some reason. And AJ like starts to freak out, uh, shit like that. Like (laughs) what's going on? I was expecting like the boogeyman to show up at one point. I was like, what, what's happening? We're just throwing everything out at the wall at this point. Uh, AJ stuck underneath the barbell was terrible because you can see when they're placing it. The gap. He's not trapped at all. Yeah, no, no, he's not. And he's strong enough to roll that off of him. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it's just ridiculous shit like that, you know. If this was more in the style of a normal Money in the Bank match, this would have been a great opportunity to get Otis even more over and more believable as a possible main event star. But, I mean, it's just comedy throughout the entire thing. So I it makes like... me laugh off of his win as well. I guess. I don't know. I mean, the character's completely comedic anyway. Hmm. So I feel like it's just a waste of, you know, a Money in the Bank match having him win it. I don't feel like there's a possibility of him actually, like, I don't believe for a second that he's going to cash it in and win the title. Um, So, and I feel like it's just going to be a prop for, you know, his storyline with Mandy Rose. I could see him even, like, losing the case before he even has the opportunity to cash it in. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe even like Mandy Rose, like screwing him over. <laughs> he's on. He's on SmackDown, right? Yeah, he's on SmackDown. All right. Uh. Well, I. I don't know, man. There's this this weird feeling in me where it's like Otis is super over. Bray Wyatt is super over. <laughs> I don't know if Maybe he's super over something. though. I don't think Otis is. I mean, he's over. Like the. I think the audience enjoys him, but mm. I don't think anyone wants to see him as champion. He's not that over. No, but I feel like McMahon and them will see him being entertaining as an opportunity to just make something entertaining. If that makes sense. I can't imagine him with the title. I, mean, <laughs> I could be wrong. I mean, they're looking for anything right now to spike a rating. I don't know if that would do it. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. So you're saying Bray gets the title from Braun. And then mm-hmm. Otis cashes it in 
and beats Bray. Yes. You're and out then of, a match at some You're point. out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting anything past them anymore. I think I think you're more likely to have Ziggler beat Otis for the briefcase. I think that's that's believable. (laughs) I feel like that's more of a possibility Mm -hmm. than Otis cashing in the briefcase and attacking the Fiend or Bray, um, you know, whatever version of the character. So I don't know, man. It just feels like a waste, a waste of the Money in the Bank match. So, um, I, I'm all for these shorter pay-per-views, though. I will say that. Well, um, how did you feel about Asuka getting the title on Raw? Um, you know, I mean, first of all, congratulations to Becky Lynch. I think that's awesome. I mean, it definitely sucks for WWE, but who gives a shit? I mean, uh, but it's it's a huge loss, you know, for the company. Because she's, mm-hmm. by far, I feel like their biggest, most overstar. Um, I... I liked the moment itself and supposedly Asuka wasn't like clued into what was going on, which I find really <laughs> hard to believe because that could have gone really wrong. Um, uh-huh. But like, I, I hate it whenever someone just gets handed a title, you know, that's my issue. I feel like they could have had like a tournament for the title and then, you know, cause I feel like with this angle, like with what they did on raw, they kind of turned Asuka face and she was kind of a tweener anyway but just like her reaction to becky and everything like that which felt real um it, it just felt like it just made her a fucking baby face i mean I, i'm not suggesting that she would have like you know she should have like green misted her like afterwards or <laughs> oh she should have <laughs> that would have been really <laughs> badass but um no i i just i don't know i would have liked to see them do a tournament for the belt and just had asuka with the money in the bank, you know, um, briefcase the entire time and kind of looming everything. She could have still been in the tournament, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just kind of that, you know, having that in her back pocket, like, oh, is she going to cash in at the end of the tournament? Um, if she loses, yeah. All right, Dan. Well, we we made it to the end of the card. What would you have given the show as a rating? I'm going to give it two and a half stars. I was really anticipating something creative with that money in the bank match. So I was looking forward to it and I was quite disappointed. Um, Like I said, the best part of this whole pay-per-view is the fact that it was short. So, um, you know, um, besides Rollins and McIntyre, this pay-per-view is completely forgettable. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm someone who has always loved the money in the bank match. I came in with low expectations and they met them, so I'm, I'm gonna give it. <laughs> I'm gonna give it two stars as well. Well, that's gonna do it for this week, Christian. But before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com, where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. You can also join us on BigHeadsMedia.com, where there's even more amazing podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support support the show 
go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely, and you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, so next week, it is the end of Star Wars month. So we're gonna go ahead and go out in style and we're gonna rank everything Star Wars. That's right, Damon, all the animated series, all the movies, you're definitely not going to want to miss it. Everything but those fucking Ewok movies. <laughs> Thank God. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Dan. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Watch those wrist rotate! <laughs>